You are Locked On Kings, your daily podcast on the Sacramento Kings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked On Kings. We are already halfway through the preseason as the Sacramento Kings split their two weekend games in Portland against the Trailblazers. A lot to like from this weekend, certainly some things to be critical about. The Kings have the day off today, tomorrow, and Thursday. They take on the Golden State Warriors for their final two preseason games. Inside the Golden 1 Center, we are expecting Hassan Whiteside and Marvin Bagley, who did not travel with the team to Portland. Both of them should be available this week. And I have a lot of praise for Buddy Heald to give out on today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast. Hello and welcome into Locked on Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all regular season and all offseason. If you're looking for in-depth analysis, game-by-game breakdowns, highlights, interviews with local and national experts, full coverage of the Sacramento Kings from January through December, this is the place for you, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and today presented by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, you'll get 20% off of your next order. My name is Matt George, I have the privilege of being your host here. I've been a Sacramento sports radio host for the last six years. This is season number seven for me, covering the Kings, both as an on-air host and a multimedia journalist. And I, like you, watched both these games from home, one of them with the new TV crew. And then yesterday's game, not available on TV in Sacramento, so we got to watch it on Kings.com, a live stream of the game with the radio broadcast. The G-Man Gary Gerald, the high flyer Henry Turner, and Jason Ross, former host of this podcast. And I can comfortably say already that I prefer games in empty home arenas over the Orlando bubble. Yes, it's strange that there are so many empty seats and they'll do a wide shot of a completely empty arena, but it feels more natural, and I guess it's more cosmetic than anything else, to see the Portland Trailblazers play at home on a court with their logo and their colors. Just like it'll be great and normal to see the Sacramento Kings play on their home floor inside the Golden 1 Center with their logo and their colors this week. Also, I thought both broadcasts did an excellent job pumping in enough crowd noise to not be distracting, but to sound natural. And I guess the best way that I could sum it up is, within minutes of watching the game, it didn't feel like anything was different. The only time I realized or noticed or understood that things were different was when they would do a wide shot of the empty arena. Some people have a problem looking at empty seats, and I understand some teams are instead going to put out like tarps and posters and cutouts and things like that to make it look a lot more natural. Apparently, the Sacramento Kings have a whole cutout section just of Jerry Reynolds at the Golden 1 Center that I look forward to checking out this week. But the empty seats don't bother me, and I'm glad to see... NBA games being played in NBA arenas again, even if fans are not allowed in quite yet. I'm going to do something a little bit differently than what I would normally do with multiple games over the weekend to recap. I'm going to lump both of these games together. One, because they're preseason. Two, because they're against the same opponent. And these were two very different games, especially if you consider the final scores. The Kings losing uh, the first game in Portland 127-102, but then winning the second game 121-106. So, Both teams almost just flipped the script between Friday and Sunday night. But there were some consistent positives and negatives for the Kings through both these games, despite the very different final scores. 
The first positive I want to talk about is something that we were looking forward to seeing the most out of these two games, and that's the Kings back to playing with pace, and that certainly was the case in both of these games. It is clear the Kings want to get out and run in transition. Now, it's also clear that not everybody on the Kings is in quite good enough shape. In fact, I would say nobody on the Kings is in good enough shape to run and play with that pace for 30-plus minutes a night, but it was clear that the emphasis was on getting out and running whether it was off of a make, off of a miss, even running hard and getting back on defense. Speed was the name of the game for Sacramento once again, and that was made very clear in these two contests. Fast break points is the obvious tracker of pace in individual games, but isn't necessarily the be-all, end-all. But in the first game, the Kings had 14 fast break points in the loss, and in the win last night, 27 fast break points. Typically, the higher that number is, the better the Sacramento Kings' chances are of winning. But I think I was most pleased with the fact that the pace didn't just rely on De'Aaron Fox alone. When Fox was out of the game, the pace stayed at the same level. Corey Joseph was doing a good job pushing the offense. Kyle Guy, Buddy Heald even, Tyrese Halliburton. Everybody getting out in transition off a make or a miss, it didn't matter. Try and get up the floor quickly. Now, it didn't always result in the prettiest shots, and sure, there were plenty of turnovers because of that pace. But it was clear that what the players and coaches have been saying in training camp, that pace is definitely an emphasis, it was very clear that that is the case. And it was definitely a welcome sight to see for Kings fans. That being said, the defense still needs a lot of work. The Kings' defensive intensity was good at times, especially with individual defensive assignments. But in Game 1, the Kings allowed the Trailblazers to shoot 51% from the field and 50% from three-point range. Game two, those numbers did go down to 40% from the field and three-point range for Portland, so that's an improvement. But still, similar issues of way too many good looks on the perimeter given up, over-rotations, at times, miscommunication. I thought in these two games, the defense was as expected, but had flashes of better than expected, if that makes sense. The Kings played about the level of defense that I would expect them to play, but there were moments where you saw, okay, this is what they've been working on defensively. And I am anxious to see how their defense potentially improves with Hassan Whiteside especially, but also Marvin Bagley back into the lineup. I do want to talk about De'Aaron Fox, though, because in both of these games, Fox was not at the same level as what we saw in the Orlando bubble. And hey, maybe that's to be expected after a couple months of not playing. The Portland Trailblazers also in the past have given Fox troubles at times for some reason, Uh, but he played 26 minutes in Game 1, played 25 minutes in Game 2, so a healthy chunk of playing time, majority of which, of course, in the first half. Game 1, 10 points, 6 assists and a steal, but 4 turnovers for Fox. He shot 3 of 12 from the field. The biggest improvement between Game 1 and Game 2 for the Sacramento Kings and for De'Aaron Fox specifically is him using his inside game, his ability to attack the basket to open up opportunities on the perimeter for the rest of the Kings. Fox called them paint touches. He spoke to the media after game one and said the Kings needed more paint touches, which is where Fox gets to the paint, draws in a defender or two, and kicks out to a teammate for an open perimeter shot. Now, the Kings were not afraid of letting the three-pointers fly in these two games. They shot 53s in game one, only made 16 of them for 32%. 
and they shot 49 threes in Game 2, only making 14 of them for 28%. But funny enough, even though the percentage was lower in Game 2, I was happier, as was Luke Walton, with the shots in Game 2 versus Game 1 because they were less forced and more of them came in the flow of the offense. It just so happened that they weren't falling. But I made an observation on Twitter last night while watching the game. When De'Aaron Fox attacks the basket, even if he's having a rough scoring night, two to three players will crash on him. He demands that kind of respect with his speed and his craftiness around the rim. There is going to be someone open. And if defenses are giving that much respect to De'Aaron Fox when he attacks the basket and he can take advantage of it, you know what that's called? That's called star treatment. De'Aaron Fox is receiving star treatment from defenses. And if he's able to consistently read those defensive adjustments and find the open man, the Kings are going to have a lot of nights like last night where they're getting good looks. And imagine if it's one of those nights where those good looks are falling at a 40-plus percent rate. Kings would have won this game by 25-plus points. There is still so much from these games that I want to talk about. But the thing I want to discuss the most, the man I want to discuss the most is Buddy Heald. Now, you know, if you've listened to the Locked on Kings podcast over the last few months, really over the last season, I've been very critical of Buddy Heald, how sometimes one-dimensional he is. Even though he's an elite shooter, an elite scorer, if the shot's not falling, he can kind of disappear. And then on the defensive end at times has been a defensive liability. Well, Buddy Heald clearly has been working on his overall game. And in both of these games, I was extremely impressed with Buddy Heald's effort and intensity on both ends of the floor, but especially on the defensive end of the floor. Now, his first game looked a lot like the Buddy Heald of old. He led the Kings in scoring with 23 points, shot 5 of 11 from three-point range, 8 of 17 from the field overall, also finished with an assist and a steal. But I was very pleased with this game from Buddy, not just because he was providing the points on one end, but defensively on the other end. He wasn't fantastic, he wasn't phenomenal, but he was playing with effort. He was taking on the challenge, really making sure he stayed in front of his man. And he had matchups against Damian Lillard, he had matchups at times against Carmelo Anthony, and sure he got scored on but he played with effort. He cared. And that desire to improve was very apparent. But even though he led the Kings in scoring with 23 points in this game, I was more impressed by the game he turned in last night where he only scored six points and shot two of 10 from the field. Here's why. As I mentioned earlier, on games like last night where the shot's not falling, Buddy Heald would kind of disappear. He wouldn't do much else. Now, he is a better rebounder than I think I and most people give him credit for. So there were games where the shot wasn't falling, but he was still crashing the boards and at least making a mark in the stat column in that way. But if he wasn't scoring points, he was usually allowing a lot of points on the defensive end. And he would continue to put that shot up and try and work his way through the cold shooting streak instead of maybe trying to use his game to open up opportunities for his teammates. Typically, if Buddy Heald would have a bad shooting night, he would have a bad night overall. Last night, Buddy Heald had a bad shooting night, but a great night overall, as far as I'm concerned. Not only was Buddy Heald looking for his teammates, he ended up with seven assists, which was tied with Tyrese Halliburton for most in the game for the Sacramento Kings. Buddy Heald was also doing the things that don't show up in the stat column. He was aggressively attacking the basket, 
similar to what De'Aaron does to draw defenses in and away from the perimeter. Once again, defensively, he was aggressive. He was dialed in. He was working to stay in front of his man and contest shots. Buddy Heald was all over this game, even if the box score doesn't reflect what his impact was. This game right here shows more improvement to me from Buddy Heald than any 30-point game that he put up last season. Look, we know he can score. We know he can fill up the stat sheet. We know he's capable of hitting eight three-pointers in a half if he wants to. But seeing Buddy Heald be impactful when the shot isn't falling, or instead of the shot falling, imagine if Buddy Heald is able to put together a performance where he does score 20 points, but also dishes out five, six assists. Imagine what that does to his game, where teams have to respect his jumper, his ability to attack the basket, and his ability to find the open man. And then imagine if he's not the one that is targeted on the defensive end of the floor every single possession because teams know that he is willing to put in the work to stay in front of you. Buddy Heald is doing everything in his power, at least in these first two games, has shown us that he's willing to do everything in his power to earn that starting spot. And as of right now, I'm not only expecting, I'm hoping the Kings give it to him. After last night's game, I asked Luke Walton about Buddy Heald's overall performance, his ability to make an impact even when the shot isn't falling. And here's what Luke said. Yeah, that's a that's a huge step for, for him, um, Matt. And it's it's one of those I, – I, I was surprised to see what the shooting number was just because I'm so used to, you know, the type of shooter that he is. But I was – I was very pleased with his game tonight. Uh, everything you said, I agree with it. You know, he was getting in the paint, creating for others. The shots he did take for the most part um, were good shots within the offense, the ones we want him taking. I uh, thought defensively, again, just like game one, he, he did a nice job of, of communicating and locking into his assignment. Um, and that's got to be that's got to be what the norm is, uh, you know, for our team to continue to move forward. And if it is, then, you know, he's, you know, he's, he, he's going to help us win games. Buddy Heald was the main part of last night's game that I wanted to talk about, but most people are talking about the play of rookie Tyrese Halliburton, who played a team-high 30 minutes, finished with 11 points, 7 assists, 6 rebounds, 1 steal, 1 block. Tyrese Halliburton filled up the stat sheet last night. It was very fun to see him more aggressive after his first game where on Friday night he looked a little bit tentative. He looked like he was a little bit afraid to play his game, to be aggressive, to attack. He was certainly nervous. Actually, Tyrese discussed the nerves in that first game and the difference between game one on Friday and game two on Sunday in last night's post-game press conference. Man, so different, so different. The first game, I was really trying to get a feel for everything. And my hands were shaking, man. I couldn't, I, I didn't feel right. Uh, you know, like I, t- I can sit here and tell you how confident and how good I feel. Uh, but when I when I got out there, it was a little different. You know, I just felt like uh, I just felt like 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 Mike uh, Calvin Cambridge when he don't got his shoes on, he just keep passing it. That's how I looked game one. So uh, felt a lot of, a lot a lot more comfortable today. Um, and I'm and I'm just uh, you know my confidence is just going to keep growing throughout these games. One element of Halliburton's game that was on full display this weekend in both games was his ability to read and react and affect passing lanes on the defensive end. You saw him a number of times jumping the passing lanes, whether it was to deflect a pass or to flat-out steal a pass, turn into a transition opportunity and an easy bucket on the other end of the floor. Not only is Halliburton very crafty, always keeping an eye on the defender uh, and an eye on the ball, he's very smooth 
in transition. We also saw what Luke Walton and his teammates have talked a lot about, how he is fun to play with. He looks for his teammates. He makes his teammates better. Yes, his shooting mechanics aren't the prettiest thing in the world, but he did have a couple of three-pointers this weekend. And we saw just his overall basketball IQ, his ability to read and react to different situations instead of overthinking things, which is very common for rookies in their first few NBA games or even their first few seasons. Now, is Halliburton perfect? Heck no, he still has a ton to learn. But you can see the instincts of a very talented and successful NBA career when you watch him play, especially in last night's performance. Luke Walton was asked what impressed him the most about Tyrese Halliburton's game last night. This is basketball instincts. Um, the way he, you know, the way he gets the deflections, the steals, the way he sees, uh, you know, he's seeing what's happening out there from not just his spot, um, but like all great, uh, you know, great guards, he's he he sees it, you know, from where everyone else is doing too. Uh, and those those instincts um, for someone that as young as he is and. Um, was only drafted a few weeks ago is, you know, is pretty exciting. Um, and, and I agree. He looked a lot better, a lot more comfortable, a lot more, uh, you know, but he was, he was in much more attack mode tonight than he was the first night, which I, I, I said before the game is something that will come with time and, uh, and experience. And it was good to be able to get him 30 minutes of, of actual playing time out there tonight. Here's more from Walton on Halliburton. Yeah. He makes some, he makes some nice plays. Um, you know, he, you know, he'll, he'll continue to get stronger uh, as he, you know, spends more time in this league and that'll allow him to, you know, to, to be able to guard uh, better players. But as far as his instincts are concerned and his understanding of what we're trying to get accomplished, it's pretty good. And, you know, for him, a lot of it will come, you know, not just for him, but for all rookies, uh, you know, there's, there's certain way, that you play defense in college and then you realize when you get to the NBA that 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 you know that you got to even take it another step up from that so uh, the more experience we can get him the better uh, and I think as soon as he gains that experience and that strength he'll be a he'll be a very solid defender in our league I also wanted to take the time really quick to recognize Kyle Guy and the effort that he's put in over these last two games. Now, last night's game was significantly better for him statistically than the game before, but he came in ready to make an immediate impact. He played 23 minutes for the Kings last night, scored 14 points in those 23 minutes, went 3 of 7 from 3-point range, 3 of 4 from the free throw line, also finished with 5 rebounds and 3 assists, a couple of turnovers as well, but he was very aggressive, a plus 18 on the night. Kyle Guy... This is nothing new for him. Kyle Guy has been doing this all last season in the G League with the Stockton Kings. He is someone who can fill up the scoring column very quickly, has no fear, no fear when it comes to looking for his shot. And Rashawn Holmes said after the game, when I asked him about Kyle Guy, he said that Kyle is one of the hardest workers on the team, that Kyle is constantly communicating, and not only does he work on his jump shot, which is the most noticeable element of his game. He also is really working hard on the things that would make the team better. His ball handling, his distribution, his defense, his ability to read and react off the ball offensively. I was really proud of the effort that Kyle Guy gave last night. And while I don't think that there are too many opportunities for him at the NBA level for the Sacramento Kings this season, I do believe that he is one of those players in the NBA that can come in and provide an offensive spark on a nightly basis. I expect he'll get more opportunity in these two preseason games against Golden State this week. 
And if he's able to continue with performances like he gave last night in Portland, there might be a full-time roster spot with Kyle Guy's name on it this year. Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. As you know, Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. The improved Built Bar is even more delicious. They have 18 amazing flavors like cookies and cream, lemon almond cheesecake, banana bread, mint brownie, which is my favorite, double chocolate, toffee, almond, coconut, and so many more. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and they're easy to chew. But on top of being delicious, Built Bars are healthy. They're great for the health conscious guy or girl. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The bars are low calorie and low sugar, but they're high in protein and high in fiber. They're also great for the keto diet. Check out the peanut butter bar, 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, 5 grams of net carbs. As you heard earlier, BuiltBar.com has a great offer for you right now. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. You'll get 20% off of your next order. Again, promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. couple more things that I was impressed by by the Sacramento Kings overall this weekend. Also, a couple things that I am concerned about. We'll start with the positives. I was impressed by the team intensity overall on both ends of the floor, especially with the younger players making the most out of their opportunity to play a team like Portland, who does have playoff expectations. Now, it's important to note that in the Kings' win last night, Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum did not play at all in the second half. So, winning in the preseason is useless. The preseason is about tuning up your main guys and seeing what you have in the other guys. And whether it was the rookies, Kyle Guy, Justin James, even Frank Kaminsky, they came out aggressively looking for their opportunities, trying to earn a roster spot. And I was very entertained by the level of play, aggressiveness, and the quality of basketball that we saw out of the quote-unquote end of the Kings bench. I will say I was also very impressed to the point that it was painful by the play of Harry Giles. Now, he wasn't as good in last night's game, which is unbelievable to say because he still finished with 19 points and 13 rebounds as well as a block and a couple of steals and three assists in 26 minutes off the bench. The first game, though, Friday, you could tell he was very excited about the opportunity to play his former team. 18 points. 14 rebounds, 3 steals, 2 blocks in 25 minutes. Harry Giles was great for Portland. And I hope that he does get a consistent rotation spot because he can really help the Portland Trailblazers this year. I would love to see what Harry can do in a playoff series with Dame, CJ, Nurkic, Carmelo, and the rest of that Blazers playoff roster. But yes, of course it was painful to see Harry put up those numbers. Of course, it was painful to see what Harry can do when he gets extended stretches on the floor. I was most impressed by the fact that Harry did very, very well to stay out of foul trouble. He's worked hard on correcting that side of his game, and he replaced fouls with blocks. He replaced struggling with sending players to the line with rim protection. Harry Giles was fantastic, and I know I said on this podcast that I believe Harry Giles, the player, is replaceable for the Sacramento Kings. What Harry provided in these two games this weekend is not replaceable. And if he was providing that for the Kings, Sacramento would be in a lot better of a situation. I was also very impressed by Sacramento's resiliency that was on display in last night's game where they built up a sizable double-digit lead, went down to around seven points at halftime, 
Portland went on a big run from the end of the second quarter through most of the third quarter to take the lead away from the Kings. And then the bench responded by going on a run of their own to build the lead back into double digits that became the 121-106 to victory. Of course, there are some things I'm concerned about, similar defensive issues, the perimeter defense especially, also an issue last season that made an appearance a couple times this weekend, the Kings struggling to close out quarters. Those are a few of many things that the Kings need to work on, not just through training camp and the remainder of preseason, but through this entire season if they want to improve and do a better basketball team. But overall, this weekend, I was happy with what I saw. I liked what I saw. There were more positives than negatives to me, and I'm excited to see this team in person tomorrow and Thursday inside the Golden 1 Center against the Golden State Warriors. Now I want to hear your thoughts on these weekend games. At MattGeorgeKHDK on Twitter, tweet me publicly or DM me privately there. Let me know what you thought, what you liked, what you didn't like from these two games. Your thoughts on Harry Giles, if you really want to talk about it. Tyrese Halliburton, Kyle Guy, De'Aaron Fox, Buddy Heald, send them all to me. You can also email me, mgeorge at saclocalmedia.com. I'd love to hear from you and get engaged in a private conversation there. I'm very much looking forward to the Kings and Warriors tomorrow. I hope you will join me for conversation on that. If you could leave a review of this podcast, that would be fantastic. Best place to do that is on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Hit five stars, write a little blurb about what you like or don't like about the podcast, why you would recommend it to others. And of course, join me on the next episode of the Locked on Kings podcast. Until then, as always, I hope you stay safe, stay healthy, and I'll talk to you soon. My name is Matt George. You have been listening to Locked on Kings, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. You are Locked On Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.